You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One thing that America managed to do without for 211 years as a constitutional republic is reality television. For people in the era of the Founding Fathers, the entertainment could be found not in any device, but rather in the social meetings with their fellow human beings, in churches, in marketplaces, in taverns and homes. They formed friendships, did business, listened to stories, and told some of their own. And they drank the safest water available in 18th century America, beer. For those elites we now refer to as the Founding Fathers, their action was in the state or national legislatures that they inhabited, and they witnessed a marvel of human interaction, deals made and broken, respect earned and lost, friendships made, selfish alliances formed. In a sense, though many Americans in that time limbed farther away from each other, physically, than they do now, they were closer. In 1999, the CBS TV network, being bested in the ratings by NBC and ABC, decided to try something a little different, a concept called reality television. A group of ordinary Americans would be put onto an island, stranded in a sense, with limited food and water, and with all the perils and dangers and discomforts that an island could bring. They would be made to perform tasks each week. And in addition to the dangers of the island, they faced an additional peril. Each week, they could be voted off by a vote of their peers. Presumably, the contestants would vote off the person who had contributed the least. The strongest would survive, the weakest would perish. And one survivor would win a million dollars or so the developers of the program thought. Judging from the ratings, and from the mirrored copycat shows, the program had captivated the nation. Survivor parties were thrown. Millions watched to see Richard Hatch, not necessarily the strongest contestant, certainly not the most popular contestant, maybe not the most hated, but certainly the best player of the game, win the million dollars which he promptly avoided paying taxes on and was fined by the IRS. Some were glued to the TV with every episode. Others thought it was the end of American civilization. I myself was somewhere in between. I found it pedestrian in many ways. I don't often enjoy pop culture TV programs. I haven't followed Big Brother, Biggest Loser, Project Runway, American Idol, Dancing with the Stars, or even the further seasons of Survivor. But season one I found a bit compelling, I must say. Reality TV in its worst forms might be really bad TV. But at least this thought might bring us comfort. A show like Survivor is fairly low-tech. It's not an action film with car chases or expensive sets. It's not a science fiction show with lasers and special effects. 
I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. It is, in the end, human beings watching other human beings interact in an interesting situation with a set of rules. And in that way, reality TV might actually demonstrate that we are not all that different than our 18th century cousins. Minus the rolling cameras, we are fascinated with the same form of entertainment that they experienced. It was in thinking about what compelled me and so many Americans to watch season one and watch the interactions of people trying to seek a selfish goal through cooperation and sometimes betrayal with their fellow human beings, that I made an observation that would lead me to believe that the Founding Fathers had certainly erred in creating the Constitution, and moreover, they should have known that they erred. But more about that connection in a moment. It is often expressed in glowing terms how the Founding Fathers created a perfect Constitution, one that has lasted for nearly 220 years and has fit into every particular situation that the nation has faced. What prescient people they were. But the document that most of our freedoms stem from is the Bill of Rights. And that was one that simply no one wanted. Those who proposed it soon backed away from it. And the ones that opposed it passed it in a disingenuous fashion. Nobody in the debate truly wanted it, yet it passed. The supporters of the Constitution saw little need for a Bill of Rights. The convention voted it down during its meeting. Subject did come up, and it was voted down. Alexander Hamilton found such a document useless, a statement of rights on paper, compared to the ironclad mechanism that the convention had built, complete with separate chambers of power. He said of a Bill of Rights, Why declare things shall not be done, which the government is given no power to do? Why say that the liberty of press shall not be restrained, when there's no power given to the government to do that? James Wilson, though a populist in some ways, advocating popular presidential election at the convention, in this matter was not. In regards to a Bill of Rights, he said, when there's no power to attack, it's idle to build a defense. These were thoughtful men, and the influential men who created the Constitution. Yet the Bill